Ovechkin storming in. Alexander Ovechkin curl and drag to the back end. He scores! Simply sensational! Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Pieces Here podcast, your home for all content and news surrounding the Washington Capitals, along with the NHL. Today we're joined by another special guest, J.J. Reagan. He was a Capitals multimedia producer for six years, from 2012 to 2018, and now he's a full-time Capitals writer since 2018. J.J., how are you? Good, good to be on with you guys. Let's see, I see a reverse retro jersey, very nice. And thank then you, we got- thank you. One of three people in the world to own an Arizona Coyotes jersey. That's <laughs> pretty sweet. <laughs> so, Gotta rep um, my boys. They need all the money they can get right now. Yeah. Uh, yeah, known, known uh, Coyotes fans at the Pizzas Here podcast. So our first question for you today, JJ, is what's your life like as an inside writer and content producer for the Caps and NHL? And uh, how'd you get to where you are today? Uh, life is very busy. Uh, so, you know, it's funny. My mother-in-law was over yesterday and she said, you know, before you became a sports writer, I used to think the sports writers didn't do any work. They just watch games and you work all the time. Yeah. I literally work all the time. Uh, you never know how used to, how used you are to a Monday through Friday, you know, work during the day sort of schedule until you don't have it anymore. And so life is pretty hectic. It's 24 seven. Whenever something happens, you drop what you're doing uh, and you write. I had to leave my mom's 60th birthday a little bit early because Kuznetsov resigned. Uh, so, I, I, you know, I, I've had pictures of myself with uh, my kid's stroller and I'm, I'm with one hand on the on the phone retweeting some news that came out. So. You know, it, it's really busy. It's all the time. Uh, summer gets a little bit slower in August, but then, you know, you got July where there's news pretty much every day for a good two or three weeks. So it's it's fun. I love hockey. So it, it's fun to to uh, envelop myself with hockey 24 seven. But it is it is a grind sometimes, especially in the regular season and especially when you get to the playoffs, when it never stops. Uh, it is 24-7, and, you know, it doesn't matter if it's a holiday, if it's a weekend, if it's nighttime. It's just news comes when it comes, and so you, it definitely takes some getting used to, but it is a lot of fun. Uh, and how I got into this, let's see. So most people will tell you that you don't need to do journalism in school. You don't need to go to J school, and that's true if you know you want to do journalism early on because you can do work for a school paper. You can get internships. I decided I wanted to do this when I was – I think 25, 26. So I ended up, uh, I started working part-time at what was then uh, Comcast Sportsnet. Uh, I went to graduate school at American University for uh, journalism, got a master's in interactive journalism. I got hired full-time after that at what was then became NBC Sports Washington. And being one of the few people who knew anything about hockey, I just started Heading in that direction, started writing about it off and on. And then the longer I was there, the more I, it's became started to become my full-time thing until finally I just became a full-time Capitals writer, which super cool. This is the team that I followed when I was a kid. This is the team that I followed my whole life. I, you know, I 
always loved the cats growing up. So to be able to write about them and follow them and, and keep tabs on them is it's really cool. That's awesome. Yeah. Um, what are some of your best or favorite uh, interactions that you've had with players in your career so far? Oh, let's see. So, um, let's, well, I'll say Nate Schmidt and TJ Oshi are exactly how they seem. You know, what, when you see them on camera, that's exactly what they're like when you talk to them off the camera. That, that is their personality. They're exactly like that. So those two can be a, a lot of fun. Uh, Kuznetsov is a goofball. Uh, you know, it's hard to get him to talk seriously about anything for a while. Um, but some of the best interactions are some of the, the one-on-one interactions you get, which unfortunately we don't really get too many of right now being with the media restrictions. You know, we have to pretty much interview everyone at the podium on a scrum, but I've had a few one-on-one interactions with players. Uh, you know, Siegenthaler, I wrote a story about, uh, European players and I asked him, what's one thing that, uh, Europeans find weird about Americans. And he said, uh, I think it's pretty lazy that people get their groceries delivered. And I wrote about that and I went back to him a few weeks later because everyone's like, we get our groceries delivered. What's wrong with that? And he's like, and he sort of sheepishly admitted, yeah, after that, I started getting my groceries delivered. And it's <laughs> such a time saver. So that I always thought that was pretty funny. Yeah, I work in, at a grocery store. So that's hilarious. <laughs> like, I so relate with Jonas when he said that. I'm like, yeah, people who get their groceries delivered are kind of lazy, but it's actually a really big time saver, honestly. Um, but what are you, like your favorite articles you've written so far? Like what are your favorites that you've definitely like had a lot of memories, a lot of fun writing? I know you just mentioned the one about the European players, but is there other ones that you've had like a great time writing? Yeah, there's two. The European one I thought was a lot of fun because I got a lot of insight on players that, that I was surprised about. Uh, they all think we're terrible drivers. Um, you know, the Russian, what struck me is that the Russians really miss home. Uh, more than anybody else, the Russians miss home. I, I, I think a little bit of a bigger culture shock for them than it is for anybody else. Uh, the Swedes, it's pretty easy for them. Uh, I should have, in fact, I should have figured out. I talked to Nicholas Backstrom about that story, and he wasn't great about it because all he kept saying was, "Well, I just love it here. It's great here. I love it here. I love it here." And it's like I, I'm trying to figure out the stuff that you don't like, man. Come on. And then a week later, he signed his new deal, that that deal that he's now on. So I should have figured out that something was up. But uh, uh, so that that was an interesting one. The second one I did was it wasn't even I didn't even talk to anybody about this one. It was I did a story uh, comparing. I can't remember if it was comparing each player or each team uh, to a Game of Thrones character because, you know, I watched every episode. So I was totally into it and uh Compare it. I think it was each team. Um, and I think if I remember, it, the caps were Danny because it was the whole time you were just like, so are you going to like take over the throne or not? We keep waiting for this to happen. What's going on here? So this was obviously before the cup. So I had a lot of fun with that one because you get to combine, uh, uh, you know, Game of Thrones with hockey. And then, okay, once the pandemic hit, the first thing I did was I went to my boss and said, I need you to expense nhl whatever year it was nhl 20 for xbox because i'm going to play all these games and write about them as if they were real hockey games so i enjoyed doing that until in fact and from there eventually they started broadcasting i they made me stop because eventually joe b and locker started broadcasting simulated games 
so I wasn't allowed to write about them anymore because they needed them for the broadcast. Uh, so those were those were some that, that stick out. Those were fun ones. That's awesome. Like you, you told your boss, "Hey, you, I need to get this video game for our job. You're paying for this." And you just said, "You just said that's it." Oh man, that's a that's a dream. Honestly, that's pretty awesome. <laughs> yeah, it was definitely. I, you know, it didn't take much convincing either. I, um, I'm not sure they thought it would last all that long, but you know, a few weeks later, I'm still writing about video game, uh, video game simulated games. So it's like it's like it's like asking your parents. It's like, "Hey, mom, can I get this game for Christmas?" It's like, right. "Yeah, I got you." <laughs> Well, well, you're muted. We can't hear you. Uh oh. Yeah, we can't hear you. Well, unplug your mic and just talk through the computer or something. <laughs> Here, I'll ask the question and then Dan, or, I'll ask my this. next question. Then we'll go back to yours. So, uh. So JJ, um, how were you expecting to do for the Capitals to do this year before the season started, and does that match up with how they've performed so far? So, I know they came into the season; it was Stanley Cup or bust for them, and I was nervous about that. Not nervous because you know I'm impartial, but I thought this might be a tough season. I thought it. I thought they would make the playoffs, but I thought it was more likely that they would miss the playoffs than go on a deep playoff run. If, if you had to give, give me the choice of the two extremes. Uh, so I thought they would have some struggles. I didn't think, you know, I know they got a lot of older veterans. I didn't think that they all would just collapse and start showing their age, but I didn't think all of them would avoid, would avoid the signs of aging. I, somebody was going to take a step back this year. And, We've seen that somewhat, you know, Nicholas Bastion took a while to get back, to get back. TJ Oshie struggled. He's come, been in and out of the lineup. I think Lars Eller struggled a little bit this season, but they, I mean, I know they're in a, they're in a slump right now, but they've completely surpassed my expectations. The first half of the season, I did not expect that from them whatsoever. Uh, they were completely impressive to me to the point that, yeah, they're in a slump, but there's no real pressure because they're clearly going to be, make the playoffs. I, it's just sort of the nature of the way this season worked out. I think they're a little bit lucky about that. We know who the eight playoff teams are. Barring a massive collapse from someone and a massive surge by somebody else, we pretty much know who the playoff teams are. Uh, so I would say that they've ex they've uh, exceeded my expectations, but obviously the current slump, a little bit of a cause for concern. Yeah, I agree. the The first half of the season was definitely impressive, considering how many injuries we injuries we had, and you know, Laviolette's rotating so many different guys each in and out of the lineup each night. But somehow we were still able to, at times, be first in the league and first in the Metro with so many uh, young guys. Uh, and yeah, we can hear you well. Um, oh, okay, sorry. So many, so <laughs> many guys that we, uh, you know, obviously we weren't used to seeing are new guys and new faces. So. The position that we put ourselves in through that first half of the season was definitely impressive considering how many people we had out. Obviously, Mantha, obviously, Backstrom, Oshie at times, etc. Yeah, I, I mean, the plan, I don't think Connor McMichael was supposed to play all that much this season. He's been an everyday player. I don't think Hendricks LaPierre was supposed to play at all this season, and he makes the opening night uh, lineup. 
you know, there are a bunch of players who I know, you know, uh, Lucas Johansson played this year. I never thought we'd see him in the NHL, at least in a Washington uniform. Joe Snively's come up. Yeah, Joe Snively's come up. Martin Farivari has been a regular on the blue line. And, you know, coming into the season, we weren't even sure if he, if he was going to make the team. So, you know, yeah, what they were able to do in that first half with the players coming in on the lineup. And I know the caveat is that everyone's gone through this. If you look at the the man games lost, I don't even think the Caps are in the top three. Um, so, yeah, everyone's had to deal with this, but I think the Caps have dealt with it better than a lot of teams in, across the NHL. Yeah, I'll definitely say uh, shout out to our boy Joe Shiesty, Joe Snively, uh, being an absolute god this week. Uh, it's incredible. Also from Herndon, Virginia, which I live like 20 miles from, which is really awesome. That's the coolest thing ever. Yeah, he scored, and my my wife's uncle sent me a text immediately. He's like, oh, my gosh, I went to his dad because his dad's a doctor. I think his dad's an eye doctor. I've been to his dad. I was sitting in his office, so definitely a lot of connections with Cats fans. That's funny. Will, you're up, buddy. Yeah, am I actually able to be heard now? <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yep. Uh, okay, so Sadly. what was the – all right, go next. All good. Uh, what was the experience of, of the Caps winning the Cup like for you? Uh, did you know throughout that playoff run that it was it was their year, or, or did it kind of feel like it was just going to be another tragic collapse? So when they went down two nothing against Columbus, I thought, okay, same same thing this year. And even when they came back to tie it two two. I, I think I don't know if they were up or if it was tied at two. I said, okay, even if they come back to win this series, it's not going to matter, and they're not going to be able to beat Pittsburgh playing like this because <laughs> Columbus was a team that they sh- clear that they definitely should have just rolled over, and Columbus gave them everything they could handle. So I didn't have much faith uh, until they beat Pittsburgh because I knew from years ago that the year that they managed to beat the penguins in the playoffs would be the year that they went on to win the cup. So when they won game six against Pittsburgh, I, I knew they would beat Tampa. I knew they would beat Vegas. And yeah, there were some nervous moments there against Tampa when Tampa rattled off three straight wins and you thought, Oh, okay, well, let's see what happens here. But yeah, I I knew they were going to win once they beat Pittsburgh. Um, But definitely some nervous moments there in that first series. Uh, What was that like? There's a lot of sleepless nights. It was more work than I've ever had ever. It was pretty crazy. Um, you know, the night that they actually won the cup. So I, I was working with Tark El Bashir at the time. He was the full-time writer. So I was based mostly in, uh, in our studio in Bethesda. I, I didn't do much traveling for the playoffs. Uh, the night that they won the cup, I was writing in the studio until – I think about five in the morning. I got back at about, I think about 630 in the morning. And by the, at that time, my son was a little less than a year old. So I couldn't even go to bed yet because I had to drop him off at daycare. So it was mm. 630. I dropped him off at daycare about eight and then slept for about four hours and then had, you know, two radio interviews. And even then you couldn't take a breath because they came and they just partied the whole time. Like, you know, uh, one or two days later, I had to go to Nats Park because they took the cup to Nats Park. And and then there was the parade. So it there was no moment to take a breath. And I'll tell you, there's something else I realized. You don't realize how fast the offseason goes uh, until you cover the team that makes it all the way. Because, you know, usually, OK, done in the late April, early May, maybe mid-May. 
And then you don't have to worry about much until late June when all the offseason stuff starts happening. Well, if you win the cup, that stuff happens about a week later. All that stuff starts, you know, and then you got to get qualifying offers out. Then you got to look at the draft and then, you know, free agency comes right after that. So I really could not take a breath and stop until about midway through July when free agency started to slow down and then everyone could take a breath at that point. So it was an exhausting time, but man, was that a lot of fun. It's a heck of a lot more fun to see a deep playoff run than have to answer the questions again of a first or second round exit and then, Hey, should they trade one of the greatest players of all time? Maybe it may make their team better to trade one of the greatest players of all time. And you just have to pull your hair out and go, no, like clearly that won't make them better. What are you talking about? So it was nice to, to have different, uh, a different offseason discussion for a change. I saw one of those, one of those articles from a while ago, actually a couple of days ago about how the headline was like, would a, a return to to the KHL or to Russia for oh. Alex Ovechkin be beneficial for him and the Capitals. And then it's like, and then someone was asking like, okay, when do we get those kind of articles from McDavid considering, you know, you, like unanimous best player in the league, but not winning anything. But that, yeah, that, that, that kind of stuff is absurd. You would have to go back to the OHL. <laughs> oh, the yeah. KHL would take him. But uh, yeah, we're in the, we're, let's see, the life cycle of an elite star, we're at the point where now the team struggles are all his fault, despite how laughably terrible Edmonton is when he's not on the ice. But somehow all this, is, the John Torrella way of thinking of, oh, he's got to change his game. The greatest player in the world clearly has to change what he's doing because the rest of his team stinks. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's actually crazy. Like, I don't know what, like, Tortorella, the, like, I feel like the idea even, like, with Ovechkin, like, oh, he needs to, like, play better defensively or, or all of that and he's like the reason his team is losing was like i agree during the cup run he was a little bit better defensively but, but he wasn't good defensively like he was still doing ovechkin things and yeah the same is true for the oilers when mcdavid is doing mcdavid things they're they're good and when he's not on the ice they're terrible every player in the league has things that they're good at and things that they're bad at. And Ovechkin is one of the greatest offensive players of all time. He's not great defensively. Would you like to, yes, you'd like to see less of those, you know, controller unplugged moments where he's, he's floating in the defensive zone for sure. You want to see more of an effort. Uh, But when he puts an effort out there, it's much better, Uh, but he's still not a great defensive player and that's fine. That's okay. Everyone has, things that they're good at uh so i think he's gotten a bit more criticism it's like you know Sidney crosby one of the greatest players in the world he's not a great physical player that's okay for some reason we we and probably because one of them is canadian and one of them is russian but one guy gets criticized a lot more for the thing that he's bad at than the other guy does will do you want to repeat your greatest goal scorer of all time take uh, I mean, I just think like I, I, I still believe this. I think if uh, if Ovechkin was was Russian, there there wouldn't be a debate. If like, he was Canadian like at this or Canadian, sorry. If 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 Ovechkin was Canadian, we wouldn't have this conversation. The difference in the era would just be like very clear to everyone, and everyone would be like, yeah, he's the greatest goal scorer ever. There's no debate. I, I think you're right. I think there's definitely something to that. There is a there is definitely a tendency to nitpick at Ovechkin's game that we don't have for other players, and I think a lot of it has to do with the fact that he's Russian. Now, luckily, he's got the cup because I think a lot of it stemmed from what happened in the playoffs. Uh, so now that he's got the cup, and the funny thing is, is that now now that they're on the backside of their career, you know, 
Ovechkin's legacy is is taking a turn now. Everybody cheers for Ovechkin. Everyone wants to see him score all the time. Everyone loves this Chase of Gretzky, even though there is that little nitpick. You know, there are some people complaining about like empty net goals now. Oh, he's just padding his stat with empty net goals, even though Wayne Gretzky has a higher percentage of empty. Yeah, net we goals. are padding stats. We don't care. So, <laughs> every Wayne Gretzky goal goal is an empty net goal. He played in the eighties. <laughs> That's true. So it, you know, it, I don't. We nitpick at Ovechkin's game, and I think it's because he's Russian. We nitpick at his game in a way that we don't do for a lot of Canadian stars, and I think it's because he's Russian. And there are things to nitpick at his game, but there are things to nitpick at Sidney Crosby's game as well. It's just nobody is a perfect hockey player. And the fun part now that he has his cup and now that he's still an incredible player at the age of 36 is that this is a new chapter of his legacy. It's not just... He was a great goal scorer until he hit 35 and then father time hit him. And then he was just a decent player and finished, you know, fourth or third in all time goals list. No, he's still scoring and it's still great. And this is a new chapter of his legacy because what he's doing now is absolutely incredible. He's scoring at a pace with guys who are 10 years younger than he is. And it's just something that you don't see. So th this is now that we got the cup and got that out of the way. Got that argument out. Don't have to hear the stupid white Russian jokes anymore about, you know, yeah, you know, no cup. Got it. Yeah, we, we all heard it. You're not clever. Um, now we got those out of the way. It, it's fun just seeing and having the debate of how great he is and where he st stacks up on the all time list. Uh, so <clears throat> having been with the Caps since 2012, who are a few of the players that are no longer here on the team who you miss the most. Oh, okay. Uh, so Nate Schmidt was always fun. I always enjoyed talking with him. He was a fun guy. Uh, let's see. Uh, so <laughs> Matt Niskanen was always good. Sometimes he was a little bit grouchy, but what Matt Niskanen was good for was every time they lost, he talked when you know nobody really has to talk um and when it used to be when you were allowed to go into the locker room before there was a pandemic uh you'd wait outside the locker room they'd open the doors and there'd be two or three players who were standing there waiting for their turn maybe you could ask you could ask hey can we get that guy and the pr would go get him but most of the players didn't like talking after losses uh, Matt Niskanen was always there. He was always waiting, and he always answered the questions. Now, sometimes he wasn't happy about it. You could tell he was sour about the loss. But I really respect the fact that he came out and, and he would talk in those situations because a lot of players don't like doing that, and a lot of players wouldn't stick around. And, you know, uh, so I have a lot of respect for him for doing that. Um, otherwise, Joel Ward was always good. Uh, he may have been – I think I caught the tail end of his time in Washington – uh, but he was always good to talk to. Um, so, yeah, you know, hockey is different than most of the other professional sports. These guys are just good, genuine dudes. They're easy to talk to. So, you know, it, it's rare that there's like, oh, gosh, I hate talking with that guy. You don't really have those many moments. Most of these guys are just good dudes to, to hang out with. Yeah. Um, so we talked about him, obviously, Elvechkin. He's, you know, scored a decent amount of goals, uh, you know, fourth all time now. Yeah. Um, so is there one that you personally think there's is your favorite? Obviously, there's a couple that come to mind, you know, the on tackle against the Coyotes, the um, 
off the boards and past uh, Carey Price for the Canadians. Is there any goals that you think are your favorite, or is there just are you one of the do you like one of the more common ones? The the Carey Price one that that was my all time favorite. I know everyone talks about the Arizona goal, and yeah, that was incredible. But I the Carey Price goal was absolutely unreal to knock it off the boards, to to swing around and then finish off that goal. That was absolutely incredible. I think. Now, I've seen him do the Arizona move before. I know it seems like physically weird to sort of picture. Um, so I can't say that it's just luck. Like, he can literally just do that. He can swing his arms around like that and get the ball. Can. <laughs> Crazy. So I can't just dismiss that as luck. But in terms of what is the harder play to make, I think the more the better skilled play is that, that tapping off the boards uh, mm-hmm. against Roman Hamerlich, who later became a capital, and then taking in off one of the best goalies in the world in Carey Price and being able to score that goal. That one is my all-time favorite. Um, unfortunately, I was walking from the bar back to my room in college, and I got a phone call from my friends saying, oh, my gosh, you will not believe what just happened. You have to go see the replay of this goal. I hope you were watching this goal. So I went back and saw the replay. So unfortunately, mm. I did not see it as it happened, but I went back and watched it. and said, Oh, my gosh, how did he do that? So – yeah, that one is definitely my favorite. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I've tried I, that. I've tried that move a few times in men's league. It doesn't always look as smooth as he as he did it though. <laughs> he tried it against me when I played against you, and I just swatted back down the. I don't believe boards. that. No, you totally you failed against me. Um, but yeah, I agree because like you like you said, you know, that's a little bit more of like you bounce it off the boards like that. You lose your ability to control the puck throughout the Arizona goal. I think the entire time he does have like the puck in his possession, and it's like he's always got it in his on his stick. So whatever he's doing with it, he at least has control of it. Like that is like if I bounce off the board, someone could be on either side and could just punt it away. But that's yeah. like it's impressive. It's one of the coolest goals of all time, in my opinion. Like honestly, definitely. And the, the, like you can see the thought process too. Like he planned that the whole way because he taps it off the board, he immediately stops and he spins. Like so he knew exactly what he was doing. That was just the hockey IQ there to be able to pull off a move like that is pretty pretty incredible. Mm-hmm. Still waiting for someone to pick that New Jersey toe drag. I love that goal. I love that goal. That's like one of is the best. Is that the Dangalicious one? Yeah, that oh, that goal is so good. That's a good one. Well, you're up. Oh, wait, it is my turn. So I just, <laughs> I wasn't looking Not at Not your the day. <laughs> I was, no, I, listen, I was looking at Oveshkin goals on YouTube. You got to respect the grind. Um, so... The Metro has been kind of uh, all over the place um, in terms of like the top. You've got the Hurricanes, and then you've got the Penguins, the Rangers, and the Caps kind of shuffling around a little bit more solid as of late. But how do you see the Metro finishing out the season? Where do you where do you expect everybody to line up? Yeah, so that's going to be the top four. Uh, nobody's going to threaten for that. I think for a while, the Islanders had so many games in hand, people thought, all right, here come the Islanders. But you have to actually win those games, and that's been trouble of late. So I don't see any surge coming from from Barry Trotz and those guys there. Carolina's going to win. Uh, they're going to they're going to finish top top of the division. I thought they were the team to beat the whole year. I'm not sure what I think of them in terms of a playoff team, just because their question mark has always been goaltending, and Freddie Anderson has been absolutely incredible this year. But you know we'll have to see what he's like in the playoffs. Um, but yeah, they're going to finish first. Uh, the Rangers, I don't know what to make of them, um, because they're an okay five on five team, but a lot of their success has been the fact that Igor Shosturkin 
it might be already be the best goalie in the world. He is absolutely incredible. Now, the thing about the Rangers is that they're probably going to load up at the trade deadline. They're going to get guys. Um, they're in just about every rumor that you hear. Uh, so they're definitely shopping. They're going to be a formidable team. Uh, do I think they catch Pittsburgh? Probably. So I would probably say Carolina one, New York two. Pittsburgh has some momentum right now. Uh, they have fewer question marks than the Caps. So I would say they're number three. And then the Caps fin will probably stick in that wild card spot there at number four. So, um, yeah, the only change from the standings right now, I think New York will catch Pittsburgh, drop them down to number three. But I think that would be the top four. Do you see the Capitals going as the wild card one or wild card two? I know we'd rather be the wild card one because I don't want to touch Florida. But yes. like, would you rather? Would you see them being wild card one, or do you think Boston jumps them and becomes wild card one? So Boston has a few issues here. I I, I think the Capitals are going to be once they get out of the slump, and it looks like they're in there. They may be sort of starting to come out of it a little bit. I I think they stay ahead of Boston, and you're absolutely right. You do not want to finish in that second wild card spot because you don't. As tough as the Metro looks, the Atlantic is worse. You, you know, you don't want to play Florida the first round. You don't want to be in the, the side of the bracket that has Tampa Bay. Um, you know, Toronto, we'll see if they're legitimate this year. But, yeah, I don't want anything to do with Florida or Tampa Bay in the first two rounds. So uh, I, I think they do finish in the first wild card spot because I, I have a few questions about Boston at this point. Um, and, you know, yeah, that's tough, too, because you got Carolina. But. You know, it gives you a chance to test Freddie Anderson and see if he's for real. I'd yeah, love to see Florida. the Bruins get shit kicked by Florida. That'd be hilarious. <laughs> I the Bruins can win in the playoffs. No, no, just they just can. Stop. But Will, I, I they're one of the best five the on five teams Will. in the league. I'm not <laughs> saying I'm not saying this. I would bet on them, but I'm saying like the, the, you can't just count the Bruins out of any series. Will they have one line? <laughs> they're going to get four true. first. That's lines not. That's in not true. That's not true. Oh man, they got Eric Hall on the second line. I'm so scared. Taylor Hall I mean, and if you look at, if you look at the, the analytics, line. if you look at the analytics, they, they love the Bruins. Man, analytics. Five. I don't care. Mason Marchman is a first line playing at a first line rate right now. The Panthers are going to smoke them in four. I think like, they'd probably win. In, I don't win think in five it'd be six, in four. I don't think it'd be in four. I don't think it'd be so easy. Well, I mean, I, I, it's also not just the Panthers. Like if you get stuck in that Atlantic bracket, you're also if you if you somehow by a miracle of God beat the Panthers, you're gonna have to face either Tampa Bay or Toronto. Well, yeah, that's not what we're debating. Bidding, though. Oh, the We're, Caps would get shelled. Yeah, we would get. They we wouldn't would get make waxed. it past the first round. Yeah, we'd get waxed by by Florida. We'd probably get waxed by Tampa. But we get waxed no, by Toronto be, too. We'd be, be the team that breaks Toronto's streak. I, I, I don't think. I think we'd be Tampa and Toronto. I think Panthers would probably whatever be. whatever a, team, whether it's this year or thirty years from now, whatever team that loses to Toronto in the finals, that gives them their first cup in however long. They are they're gonna be like the Warriors blew a three one or three no, three one never lead for that. like the next for a long time in the hockey community, they're gonna be like the the bottom they're gonna be the ones getting curb stomped in the media and in jokes for fifty years. That'll be I'll funny. just say this real quick. If not in this universe, there's a parallel universe where the Capitals lose to Toronto in the first round, like in the next year or two. I, we like, almost did I'm in 2017. Convinced. <laughs> we're going to be that team. We almost lost in 2017. We were down 2-1 to one to the Leafs when they were actually, like, super young. Like, that's what it was Matthews, Marner, Nylanders, all their first years, and they were smoking us in three games. Yeah. So, so JJ, I got a couple 
couple for you on this. So yep. let me know who you have winning the heart, Vezina, Norris, and the Rocket. Just, I guess, one by oh. one. So who do you have winning the heart? Yeah, the heart's a tough one. And I'm writing about that for tomorrow, actually. So I just, Sneak before peek. I got on, I just started looking at the, at this. If I had my the top five I would have right now are Ovechkin, Drysaddle, Kadri, McDavid, and Shesterkin. And you I'm gotta not have Huberdo like in there. I'm not even sure if I like that. So Huberdo is is playing great, but the thing is, like, it, it's the most valuable thing. He's playing great. He's having a great season. He also plays on a buzzsaw, and that's the same yeah. thing with Nazem Kadri. Like he's. Yeah, he's the leading scorer on an all-star team. So is he the most valuable guy? The reason why I put Kadri in there was because Nathan McKinnon keeps coming in and out of the lineup, and 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 Colorado doesn't seem to miss a beat. And I think a lot of that has to do with Kadri. But you could also say a lot of that has to do with Kale McCarr. So I I, I don't know. Like it, it's too close to call right now. I thought, you know, ask me if you'd asked me two weeks ago, I would have said it should be Ovechkin by a landslide because of what he's been able to accomplish with how many players who have been out of the lineup, but he's got a little bit cold lately. He, yeah. I, I looked at, he's got seven goals in 2022. We are now February 20th and he's got seven goals. So he's slowed down a little bit. Um, I'd still put him in the top five at this point. Cause like yeah. I said, with how many people the caps have lost this year and where they still are in the standings. Uh, but you know, I hate being the, the cop out guy, but I think that one's still too close to call. Yeah. If you had, if you had like, or, us talking about this like a few weeks ago or a month ago, I think Ovechkin was on the top of a lot of people's lists, obviously, especially us because we're biased. But like you said, he's he's been a little bit colder than he was at the start over the last month or so. So like McDavid's got 71 points right now. Ovi's at 62. So, you know, as much as the Ovi's 36 argument helps, you know, if he's 10, 15, 20 points below the right. people in the top, then, you know, it, it's not likely but and, and edmonton is impressive yeah edmonton while they were slumping you thought okay if they don't make the playoffs you can't put mcdavid or, or dry asylum in and i'm not one of those guys that's just like automatic disqualifier but you have to be so far and away ahead of everyone around you that i mean and i'm not sure that's where they are but now that they're a playoff team again you know yeah it's hard to have two different players from the same team and say that, that they both should be considered the most valuable, but that team is so terrible when they're not on the ice, like laughably terrible when they're not mm -hmm. there that you have to consider both of them because just they are without those two, they are a lottery team. They are awful. I don't, it's, it's crazy how every year we think this is the year that they're going to load up and change that team in, in the off season. And they come up with, pretty much the same roster every time and somehow what Mike Smith got injured again, who could have seen this coming? So, uh, I, I, you, yeah, you have to consider those guys, but I, I'd still put, let, let's see what happens down here. The stretch, I'd still put Ovechkin in my top five for now. Uh, if he gets hot again, I think you still have to consider him. It's so we, to me that, we sorry, go ahead. I said, it's insane to me that like, you've got teams like New York making a, making a trade for, for Pavel Buchnevich. Or, or not New York, sorry, St. Louis, um, going out and getting a guy like Buchnevich and look at the difference he's made. You, you're telling me Edmonton couldn't have offered more than Sammy Play in a second rounder? Like, I, I Ken Holland is, is it's just, 
or sorry, hey, Holland. Don't worry, City, guys. Yeah. They have Duncan Keith to let in three goals. Yeah, in the like, back like end what were they thinking? Yeah, that... It's actually crazy that you're throwing away the greatest player of his his generation. I do consider like sports generations like Crosby, Ovi, or one David's another, and like the second or third best player of the generation. I mean, I I guess I'd take Matthews over and McKinnon over, but yeah, like it's crazy. It's insane that you're throwing away this talent. Yeah, Duncan Keith was one of those moves that pretty much everyone just said, okay, sure, let's see how that works. And Ethan Bear. I mean, Ethan Bear was arguably their best defender, and then they just tossed him. But uh, so you already pretty much told us who your Vezina pick is, and I think every one of us agrees with you on Shesterkin for that. I think Soros and Markstrom and other people have arguments, but I think Shesterkin is – right now it's his award to win, so – Unless you disagree. No, Shesterkin, Shesterkin has to be the guy. I mean, if I'm putting him on my heart ballot, then, yeah, I definitely think yeah. he should <laughs> So much of New York's success this year is, is on him. And I mean, remember, in the offseason, that was a team that we all looked at where they just went insane because of Tom Wilson and clearly made their roster worse. And somehow they're still surging up the standings, and that has a lot to do with Shesterkin. If you definitely. peel back and look at the analytics, they're not – they're not as good as they, where their record says they are. It's all, It's got everything to do with Shesterkin. So who would you say right now you think is winning the Norris? Uh, the Norris I would give to Kale McCarr. Adam, I think he's been absolutely good incredible good this shit. year. Thank you. I uh, agree. Victor, I, maybe that is some Victor Hedman fatigue a little bit because I think there's an argument for him too. I mean, he's an incredible player. But to me, it's got to be Kale McCarr this year, especially – like, like I said, Nathan McKinnon in and out of the lineup a little bit, and that team doesn't seem to take a step back. Uh, a lot of that has to do with Kale McCarr and how incredible he has been on that blue line. Yeah, I, I completely agree. Kale McCarr is, is my pick right now. I also do want to mention, though, Darcy Kemper has been a lot better as of lately. He started off the season a little shaky, but he's he's definitely stepped it up a notch, so that's good I think for them. I can be a 500 goalie on the Avs. I just stand there. <laughs> You know, <laughs> just stand there. That's it. I, I mean, I, I like I'm, one I'm, shift where Jack Johnson yeah. comes rolling down. You're like, oh, we're in trouble. But then everybody else comes out. You're like, oh, yeah, no, we're good. good. Jack Johnson scoring a clapper for me in the sim, the sim episode after this. Just wait. <laughs> we, well, yeah, you talking about um NHL simulation and stuff and writing about that. It's actually funny because last week for our episode we did uh like a fantasy draft like where. The four of us each tried to draft our best possible like lineup, and then we did a worst possible team draft, which was also funny in itself. But after after this episode today, we're gonna we're gonna like run those lineups through like Chell simulations to see how they do against each other. So that's gonna be funny. But nice, that's, yeah. that's pretty funny that it's like you know you had mentioned that and it's coincidental, but that's cool. Um, where were we? Yeah, I agree with the Kale McCarr. Um, Definitely. Uh, I think other people have arguments. You know, obviously, Adam Fox is always going to be up there now. Victor Hedman's always going to be in the conversation. Roman Yossi's in the conversation this year. But uh, I, I give it to Kale McCarr right now, especially just, like, his goal-scoring pace. I think it's, like, the best goal-scoring pace for a defender since um, Bobby Orr or some something absurd like that I saw. But he's it's, it's awesome that he's blossoming into the elite, you know, defender that we've obviously been seeing glimpses of over the past couple of years. Um, so rocket rocket's definitely a tough one. Obviously we want to give this to Ovechkin and we want to cancel everyone out, but right now dry winning with 35 
Matthews is already up to second with 33, even though he started off with missing some games from injury. Chris Kreider's also tied for second right now with Austin Matthews with 33. And then we have our boy Ovechkin with 31 and fourth. So that's definitely a tough one. But how do you see that shaping out? So I, I think I'll give that one to Dreisaitl just because the Oilers need him to do it. Uh, they just need to squeeze every single point in production out of Dreisaitl and McDavid because they just don't have a choice. Uh, Kreider, I don't even think Kreider has 30 goals in his career before this year. So <laughs> I'm not sure that he's going to be able to keep up pay, the pace with guys like Dreisaitl and Matthews. Everyone north of the border wants to give it to Matthews and expect him to eventually do it. He could. I think it will come down to dry side on Matthews. But right now, I, I would give the the edges to dry side. I don't think Ovechkin's going away. I think he will. Re, I mean, as good as he is and as consistently as he scores, he's also a streaky goal scorer. And whereas most people go like, you know, streaky is in, oh, they go 10 games without goals. Uh, when he goes on a streak, he scores like six goals in three games. And, and then he just doesn't slow down from there. So I, I think we're in for one of those like March surges where all of a sudden he's scoring, he's got, you know, two hat tricks in the course of two weeks and all of a sudden he's scoring. So I don't think he's done, uh, but I, I think I give it the dry saddle right now. Yeah. I think that's definitely a fair take. I'd love to see a, a couple hat tricks from Ovechkin before the year's over. That'd be awesome. Obviously we had the one against Florida earlier this year. That was that was, you know, a crazy day. I remember watching that game, and uh, I was actually at a friend's hockey game, and I was, like, keeping keeping up to date with the game on my phone, and the buddy whose game I was at is actually a Panthers fan, so that added to it, but he comes out of the dressing room after the game, and I'm like, yeah, yeah you know, you should have been watching that game. My boy Ovi just dropped three on your head, <laughs> and then, you know, that was funny, but definitely would like to see some more of that. Uh, so who do you think has been the Capitals' best rookie this year? And then overall, who do you think will win the, the Calder? So the, the best rookie, and he's the one that gets overlooked a lot because a lot of people don't think of him as a rookie anymore. It's Martin Ferivari. If yes, you sir. look heading into this season, we weren't sure who was going to be the second, who's going to be the number two left defenseman on this team. We knew Orloff, and we thought, okay, they're going to try Orloff Carlson again, even though it doesn't work all. Both guys are great not the best tandem together. All right, well, I guess they're going to have to do that this year. And then we're thinking, okay, it's either going to be Ferrari or Kempney getting a top four role. We'll see how that works for them. I, I don't know. I mean, Ferrari has took it and run with it. He's been great. He They put him in the top pair, and he has been great all season. Now, he has hit the wall a little bit. You know, He's not as good or as dominant now as he was in the first month of the season, but he's definitely not a detriment to this team, and it's just – crazy now to think about okay he has cemented himself as a top pair defenseman for this team when at the beginning of the year we were thinking uh he's probably make going to be on the third pair and we'll see if that's too much for him right now so the fact what he's been able to do this year is pretty incredible i know it's not as flashy as as the the snivelys or the mcmichaels or or uh protoss but you know just very quietly doing a great job of pissing people like Sidney Crosby off who decides to uh, body slam him into the boards like we saw that one game. So definitely Martin Ferrari for me. Yeah, I think it's impressive that like Martin Ferrari is currently making the least amount of money on the Capitals back end and is playing top line minutes, which is incredible. As I, I've always said this, I'm like, the fact that Martin Ferrari is like a rookie, 
under consideration. You're always like, he's a rookie. Like he plays such a great game and it's like, he's only like 20 or 21. He's going to get so much better. And like this team has found another defenseman to just kind of be like, here you go. You're going to get top flight minutes for the next five to 10 years. It's really nice. Yeah. He's always been a really smart player. Uh, I think that's what they really liked about him, but I, He's also waiver exempt. So coming into this year, I thought he would get screwed because they were so close to the cap. I thought there'd be a lot of occasions where he wasn't going to be in the lineup because they would just have to take him out uh, to save his cap space so they could make all the pieces work. And then, you know, a few weeks in, you're you're starting to realize, boy, they can't afford to take him out of the lineup because he's been that good for them and that steady of a presence on the the, uh, blue line. So really impressed with what he's done this year. Who is your who's your overall Calder? I think Jake asked that. Who's your overall Calder? Because yeah. I know there's a few names. Oh, overall Calder. So, okay. So I think Zegris will win it because of the name recognition after the All Star break. I think Lucas Raymond probably should because he's been great for Detroit all year. But so is Maurice Sider. So I, I wonder if there's going to be a little bit of a split in the ballot for the Detroit rookies a little bit. And, and especially after the all-star, you know, the dodgeball thing, which was fantastic. I think Zegris is ultimately going to win it. Uh, if I had a vote this year, though, I'd probably give it to Lucas Raymond. Yeah, I think, like, any of those three are pretty good because, like, the Detroit rookies have been incredible this year. And that's, like, the first wave of those young Detroit guys are going to start coming up and be like, oh, great, we're doing another dynasty thing. Um but speaking of young guys, uh, Hershey has a lot of young players. Some have played a little bit this year, you know, like the Protosses, the, the Garrett Pilons, the AJF. Uh, is there anybody in Hershey right now or anybody who's on the Capitals right now that hasn't gotten a lot of playing time that's one of the young guys you think is going to, um, like, you're excited for, that you think is going to come up and really just become, like, an interesting player for the long-term future um, for them? Well, I mean, if you say interesting, I, I'm really interested in the type of player that Protoss is going to become. I remember when they drafted him, there wasn't a whole lot of talk about him. Third round draft pick. And I watched, I watched him play in that first preseason game, and I loved everything about him except the skating. It looked like a duck on skates. And I just thought, okay, well, he's got all the other talent. This guy's way better than I expected him to be. Let's just see. His skating has improved tremendously. Every time he goes into the lineup, he does something good. I, I really like him and what he can be. I thought ceiling would have been third line center. I think it could be a middle six player. Uh, I think there's a lot of debate on some of these players. I don't know if McMichael is going to be better as a winger or a center yet. I don't know about Protoss either, but uh, he's an intriguing player. He's one of those guys, you know, with the draft after the first two rounds, it's pretty much just a lottery. And it looks like the Caps cashed in on one of their lottery tickets with with Protoss. Really interesting player, and I'm really interested to see the kind of guy that he turns into over time. Absolutely. Is there any any love for AJF? What do you think about him? Y'all so hyped about this guy. I like him. I think he is a faster scored again well, today. He. I think Same. he's Carl Haglin. What Carl Haglin used to be. I think he's pretty much exactly that player. I know it's easy to say, okay. Swedish guy with the long hair projects to be another Swedish guy with the long <laughs> hair. Uh, so, it, I mean, it feels a little lazy, but that's exactly his game. He's more of a defensive player. I know some people get excited about the offensive stats. I don't think that's going to be what he is in, in the NHL. I don't think you can expect him to be, you know, a 20 goal scorer or anything like that. But I think he can be, a, he can fill the role that Carl Aglin had when he was first here, just be a dependable bottom six penalty killer 
who can, with his speed, threaten every time he's on the ice. He's someone that other teams will have to account for whenever he's on the ice because he can get behind them. So I do like him. I do like where he projects. And now that he's, it looks like he's staying in North America because that was an issue. Oh yeah, I remember. First few years, you know, it, it's always a bad sign when they come here and then they end up going back. Uh, you're always worried about that. But now that he's here and it looks like he's going to stay in North America, I think uh, he definitely projects to be a bottom six uh, NHL forward. And and I just I just want to make one more statement. Correct me if I'm wrong, guys, but wasn't AJF like claimed by the Sabers last year at some point? Yeah, he was on there. This yeah, offseason, he was. Yeah. It was this offseason. It was. This, it was. Yeah. This oh offseason. This it was the preseason. This season. And the only reason why they couldn't get him, they wanted to get him in a preseason game. They couldn't because of his visa status, because they had oh. to be transferred to Buffalo. And eventually they just couldn't get him into the lineup, put him back on waivers, and he was reclaimed by the Caps. Yeah. Was, he was a Sabre for like a week. Thank and God for visa, guys. And now he's uh, <laughs> now he's the second top scorer on her. Yeah, now he's great on the Oof. Bears. I mean, he's he's good. I, I, don't, I don't think he's as good defensively as Carl Hagelin is. I know y'all hate Carl Hagelin, at least them them three. I don't know about you, JJ, but I don't know. I mean, Carl Hagelin... I didn't realize you were such a Carl Hagelin fanatic. Yeah, what is this, Will? I thought well, I don't think he's a good offensive player, but, like, you look at our fourth line, and, like, that is, like, the perfect fourth line. I mean, obviously, Nick... I've said this we many times. We can pull Nick, receipts. Nick Dowd and Garnet Hathaway... Receipts. Nick Dowd and Garnet Hathaway are the two perfect fourth line players. Carl Hagelin is Minus the perfect... Penalties. Perfect. Yeah, that's true. Actually, Carl Hagelin is a perfect not uh, not in the offensive zone fourth line player. I don't think he can be so easily replaced. But I mean, we'll see because he's obviously. Not it sounds like what JJ saying. Will is there's a perfect Carl Hagelin replacement in the AHL yeah, right now that's a lot cheaper than what he is, and we can totally replace him. So I don't, I don't agree. I don't agree that he could play defense as well. I mean, obviously JJ is more knowledge than I. He's, am, he's only I played nine games opinion. in the NHL this year, though. It's also like we got to give him more of a chance. Yeah, I'd yeah. love to see him get another chance next year because next year we're probably going to. I'd see rather, I'd rather, like, give a guy who's like seven years younger than the older guy and almost two mil less on the cap every year a chance to try to prove himself and develop into being more strong defensively in the the big leagues than spend over two mil on a guy who's like thirty three and is uh, is Carl Haglin, you know. I'd rather, I'd rather try our chances with AJF. You try to win now, and it doesn't matter. You're not trying to develop anybody. You're trying to win now. All right, so then next year, because, I mean. <laughs> they're still going to have – they're going to try. There's no reason player. to keep Carl Haglin on this team next year. I, I agree next year they should try a different option. Anyway, um, JJ, who, who who is winning the cup this year? Um, uh, and also, yeah. who's an underdog that, like, maybe not as many people are talking about, but that you think everyone should really start to keep an eye on as, as a true contender? So I'm going to go chalk, and I'm going to say Colorado. It's their year. They are absolutely incredible. And eventually, Tampa Bay's got to run out of gas. Like, at some point, I think you see it in the playoffs this year. At some point, they run out of steam. Um, so I, I, Colorado is my team. The I don't know if you can call Cal, – Calgary's in first place in the Pacific, so I don't know if you could call them a sleeper team at this point. They look really good. The, it, the real sleeper for me is going to be Minnesota. Uh, they look really good. They, I think they went, uh, they had a 10 game point streak after the, the winter classic. Um, and the, the other thing to keep in mind is because they bought out Parise and Suter, uh, they have so much dead cap space coming up. I think starting next year that this is the year they, they now have to go for it this year. 
because they're not going to have cap room to, to, to load up on players in the next few years. Uh, so I think you're going to see them really busy at the trade deadline. I think you're going to see them load up on players. And I'm interested to see what they can do when it comes to the playoffs because they're really good already. Let's see what they can what they can get at the trade deadline and see how good they can be uh, once the dust settles. You just made Joey's day. <laughs> I freaking love the Wild so much with all my heart. I, I want them to succeed. I love Kirill Kaprizov. I think he's the next like Ovechkin-level kind of player. Um, no. Shut up, Will. Dude, he's um, already like Joey. 25. He's got to like do that now. Like – He's not. He's not what you think a real rookie is. I don't care. Doesn't matter. He's still year. in the Calder. Um, the point is, is he's he can't be just, the I'm next just, Ovechkin. He's got to be doing it right now. Like Ryan Hartman's having a first line season with them, and it's just like, yup, that's what Kirill Kaprizov can be. He's actually benefiting his teammates around him, and he's actually like giving them better, like you know, stats and stuff, and helping them be better players. It's awesome. I love that because last year everybody was like, oh my god, he's gonna play one year and then dip to Russia, and then he came back, and now it's like, oh my god, he's amazing, incredible. They've got another rookie too who just can't. Matt Boldy. I Boldy, mean, yeah. The dude scored a hat trick and I think his twelfth NHL game. Like he is really good. So and they still haven't had a Rossi play yet either. The young yeah. guy that like that uh, my child really... player did it in his first game. Not that impressed. <laughs> I I think that they the big the good news for them is they do still have that young pool of talent. So like you said, the whole like cap like issue is going to be a problem but i think next year they're going to have like a lot of young guys step up and i'm excited for the while at least this year it's exciting it's pretty interesting what about um what one other team i was thinking about um what about anaheim so anaheim they've cooled off a lot and they're in a race in the pacific and you know right now I don't have their schedule in front of me, but they keep losing. The I think they've lost four of their last five, and it's bad teams too. I mean, you're in a tight race with team, with a team like Los Angeles. Los Angeles keeps winning, and right now Anaheim keeps losing. I think the future is bright in Anaheim because you got guys like Trevor Zegers, who is absolutely incredible. Uh, but you also have you also have one of the best goalies in the league, and John Gibson. He's not going to want to sit around for you guys to rebuild for for too much longer. So I think. If now's not the year, and it might not be, I think you're going to see them go all in next year and, and try to because, I mean, Vegas is the cream of the crop in the Pacific, but otherwise, that's clearly the weakest division in the NHL. I think you could load up and make a serious run, but I think that time will be next year for Anaheim. Yeah, I, I agree. I think Anaheim's sort of your way. What's interesting is I think we don't realize this. LA is just kind of floating around there, like third and second place, and they're and they're like. You just don't hear about them. A team that's won two cups the past 10 years are just like, oh, yeah, LA is just chilling out in, like, second place right now. It's like I think the biggest issue with, that, with like, those two teams, like you said, they're just very – they're very young. They got a lot of young players. And I think next year you're going to see LA and Anaheim both take a step forward. Yeah. But unfortunately – I mean, fortunately, now it's time for our lovely Manscaped read. It is my turn again, ladies and gentlemen. So get your ears ready. Exciting news across from our friends at Manscaped just launched their fourth generation performance package. This ultimate package includes the lawnmower 4.0. You heard that right, the 4.0 Manscaped lawnmower. The leaders in male grooming have done it again to make your grooming game next level. Join the 4 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with their new performance package 4.0 by going to manscaped.com. And for 20% off, use that free shipping and free shipping. Use that code PHP. Again, that's code PHP at manscaped.com for 20% off and free shipping. 
That's probably the <sighs> cleanest manscaped read we've had in a while. Like the least. Dude, I always go least, all out for this. You know me. Stuff. You know me. I go all out for this. No, stuff. I don't mean. <laughs> I don't mean clean as in your reading ability. I mean clean as in like the content of the script. Wow. Dang. I hate you. <laughs> Shot me down. <laughs> Damn. Well, now I'm taking over the next part of the segment since you said that. So now we have the Capitals have just played two games this past week. All right. Um. Yeah. Well, don't don't shit talk me. And um. They played at the Flyers. Clearing up what you misinterpreted. Doesn't matter. They they played at the Flyers five to three. They almost lost, and then they played an incredibly good game against the the Predators in Nashville, uh, four to one. Um, I mean, I mean, the Preds game was probably is easy to talk about because there wasn't a lot of bad. They had some. They had that amazing passing performance by uh, Nick Jensen to. Or did I mix it up? Did they play the Preds first? Yeah, they did play the. This is why I was doing it. it. That's my bad. That's my bad. I, um, go ahead, Will. I I will. I, I don't agree with your Predators take. Yeah, dude. neither I, do I. I. Straight up, like these are two games, like two wins for a team that's struggling, and yet watching both the games, and I I did watch both the games like fully through. I was like thinking, darn, like this this team isn't that good. I mean, against <laughs> the Predators, Samsonov got shelled for forty minutes, and was just went like absolutely berserk in that and saved absolutely everything and we got like three posts like when when you have three posts and you still feel like your goalie did well like that says a lot about the chances that were being given up i mean samsonov probably if i if i bet you their advanced stats on that game he was like like four expected goals against in the first 40 minutes like yeah i'm gonna go ahead and stop you will the deserved a window meter from that game is 67.7 percent to the capitals in that game we played really well in that game against the there's Rangers. no there's no way well the stats are literally saying you're wrong so i don't know he what got to tell shelled you, <laughs> he got shelled in the first yeah 40 minutes. I, I don't Ovechkin literally had a better goal score than like half the Predators combined. I don't know what you're talking about. You, you are. Wait, where are the analytics? I I looked at it. Little money puck. It literally says the Capitals outplayed the Predators. I'm not kidding. The important thing on those games, though, uh, the Philadelphia game was bad. But that was terrible. That was awful. Yeah. They they're at least and the Montreal game even before that was awful too. They're playing Mm -hmm. basically an AHL team, but. At least on the road, they're finding ways to win, and they're not doing that at home. I don't, I can't really put my finger on what the difference is, but at least, at least they're finding ways to win those awful games on the road. We also, for some reason, are like the one team in the league that just decides to get scored on by Cole Caulfield every time I, we play. Giving him a career. Yes, <laughs> I, I don't know if there's anyone in the NHL currently playing who did not get their first. NHL goal against the Capitals. It just seems like everyone, when they make their NA, their first NHL goal, always comes against the Capitals. I don't know what it is about it. Nathan I don't McKinney. know why they always give it up to those rookies, but it just I I don't know if there's a player in the league who did not get their first career goal against the Capitals. Nathan McKinnon's first career goal was on us on a power play um, with a Tom Wilson penalty, which is funny to think about. Hold on, I'm sending you the stats. Well, I mean, so, I use natural. I use natural stat trick, not money puck. But. Well, that's because that's why you're wrong. So, dude, the Preds outplayed us. It's <laughs> no. What didn't. do you think we did better than the Preds in that game, other than the scoreboard? Well, I mean, they scored. Then <laughs> so you they had a good no power play. Argument. They actually the power play played really well against the Predators. 
It wasn't terrible against the Flyers. Oh, it actually kind of was. I mean, yeah, it it's. I think it's good. like what JJ said. I mean, I'd rather them just find ways to win because that's going to benefit you down the stretch. We shouldn't have to find ways to win against teams like the fucking Flyers. That's the problem. You're a goddamn yeah. rivalry, eh? We always hate each other. It literally started getting violent. That, for no it reason. doesn't matter. The Flyers are not good this the year. The Flyers are literally we, dog shit. We shouldn't well, we struggle. We shouldn't struggle home, against so I, don't, I mean, like, what do you want? We what shouldn't struggle no, against no. teams like the Canadians and the Flyers. I mean, I know we're good away and we're winning away, but still, like, we should be losing to those teams and. Well, we, we didn't lose. We won. We, we win, lost win, against win, the Canadians. We should struggle. Should we lost struggle. against the Senators. That's concerning. The home, the, home, <laughs> the home slump is something that's genuinely confusing. Yeah, that, that is weird. We're, like, like, better, we're better on the road than at home by a lot. It's, it's I think weird. on home ice, we, we out, I think we outplayed the Senators, and then we just had, like, a terrible – like, they got, like, the, the third goal they scored. That was the goal that, like – it was the goal that was Samsonov. It was coming back. I think it was – I don't remember. Oh, it was – it was the oh, what's the guy's name? Barnstrom or what's his name on the Senators? It starts with the He's like Brandstrom. He was like coming back on the rush and like out of nowhere he takes a shot with a defender screening Samsonov and Samsonov just completely misses it and just like you're just like how do you like how do you like mess up that goal like how does that like like how does that happen? It's so crazy and like. I feel like at home we're just like that. What I feel like we're just like that one game away from breaking out of the slump. Like really, because against the like against the Oilers before the All Star break, they didn't have we didn't have like half of our team because like Ovechkin was out and um, all that stuff. And we just like we we almost beat them. We played really well. It was one bad like PK like penalty uh, uh, power play that just like cost us the game. And like we're playing good, we're doing good things. It's just like we're making like those one mistakes. And if you eliminate that one mistake late. I guarantee you we'd win those games. Which, like, you may be saying, we shouldn't be in those positions in some of these games. I mean, like, well, live, live streaming, streaming has, stopped. has stopped. But, like, it's definitely wow. something that we should just, like, not, like, worry about right now. I think if it gets, like, like, like eight or nine games and it keeps going through, like, into March, we're, like, screwed. We're screwed. Well, what do you think, JJ? Last couple games. Hold well, on, I think take? the stream ended. I don't know why. Yeah, it did. I heard it. I have no idea. We'll just keep, we'll keep, keep going. going. We'll keep going. We're still recording, so just keep yeah, going. Keep going. So, you know, I, I don't think that the Predators game was as bad as you guys think it was. Uh, I wouldn't say that it, they looked great, but I, I don't think that they were clearly outplayed. I think that game could have gone either way, and it just went the Cavs way that night. I think the Philadelphia game was terrible, and I think the Montreal game was even worse. Uh, now, Montreal, they did not have Ovechkin. And if Ovechkin had played, I can't. I think it was Montembeau who was uh, their goalie. If Ovechkin had played that game, he might have broken the record that night, uh, just with all the goals he would have scored against that guy. Because um, boy, boy, was he bad. Uh, but like I said, the important thing—at least on the road—they're finding ways to win, and it's ugly and it stinks. But that's really how you get out of these slumps. You're not gonna come back one night and look like the best team in the league, you're going to have to slog some of these, some of these wins out. So the fact that they're doing that on the road is encouraging. It's just, you got to do that at home too. The Ottawa game was atrocious. That game was just bad. I don't know. They, they had some plans for the Super Bowl that night and they were just looking to get out of there. Um, but boy, that, that one was bad. Um, the good news is they don't even play at home until the 28th. Their next two games, when they come back from this, little week off are on the road uh so you got another game against the flyers and you got one against the uh rangers so 
hopefully they can build some momentum with how they're playing on the road and, and bring that back home and, and play their way out of the slump a little bit. Yeah, absolutely. And EA's a little trying to figure out the stream right now, so I'll just help him out here. So, well, um, so I mean, so this, oh, you gotta, the stream you gotta, ended. You, gotta, you can't you can't end yeah. a stream and then just resume it. So we're just stuck uh, with that. Go. But um, we have like one thing left, so it's fine. But um, so if you guys want to do one and one, we can do that quick and then predictions and then just wrap up. But uh, <clears throat> something we like to do sometimes uh, called just like one and one. So like basically. From the last week of games or stretch of games, what's one player that's impressed you and one that has disappointed you or you're not happy with? And then we go through, and it basically usually ends up with someone taking Jake's picks, and then Jake gets mad, and then and then that's the funny part. Usually that but, happens, and I know it's going to happen again because I have. But, yeah, so, so we'll give you first picks. JJ, who's one player that impressed you this past week and one that did not? Okay, so you guys, you guys won't take my picks then. Uh, the player who's impressed me is Joe Snively. Uh, I never had, you know, I never had much hope that he would be a major NHL player. I thought the story was carrying him more so. The story of him being a, a native Virginian was carrying him more so than than his actual skill level. And but you know, the, the thing to remember about him is like he's a grown man, like. He's different than Connor McMichael. He's a grown ass man. He played, I think, four <laughs> full years at Yale before he went went into the minors. So he's a little bit more prepared for it. So he'd be the player uh, who's impressed me the most. Uh, let's see, players who the, the guy who I think needs to play better, and I feel bad with the way he's played lately. But the player who needs to play better is Ilya Samsonov. You just don't know what you're going to get from this dude any single night. I know he played a great game against Nashville. Uh, and I, I'm not going to put too many of what happened on Philadelphia on him, but I want to see those Nashville nights consistently. I want to see those Pittsburgh nights where he makes 43 out of 45 saves consistently and not the guy who does that and then lets in three out of four goals against Edmonton the next night. And I, I have a high standard for him because you're not going to win a Stanley Cup with Vitek Vanacek as your number one. Sorry, I know he's played well this year, uh, since 2021, since 2022 started. Uh, and I know I, I hate kicking a player when he's down, when he's out injured. But you're not going to win a Stanley Cup if he's your number one. So I know I it's probably unfair to say that about Sam Sonoff because he has played pretty well of late. But I need to see it consistently, and we haven't seen it consistently at any point this season. Yeah, so I'm going to disagree with you a little bit, all due respect. <clears throat> um, just because simply it's based on the, the past week. You know, uh, listen to any other episode, and I'm the first guy to shit on both of our goalies. I You know, I agree with you completely on the we need consistency from them. We're not going to win a cup with either of them if they can't step their games up. If Samsonov can't be consistently at that good level that he is sometimes because as we've seen clearly this whole year two games he'll be a Vezina player and then the next week he'll be like he needs to be in the AHL it's you know you can't win with inconsistency like that in this league but and then <clears throat> VTech you know look at analytics and just you know watching him play he's he's more consistent but he's consistently average and you know with the team we have in front of us obviously we've got talent but we need a goalie that can steal some games in the playoffs if we're going to win the cup. And I don't know if Vitek's that guy, but solely on the past week, I'm actually, I was actually going to pick Samson off for the player that I'm happy with. Um, 
34 for 34 against the Preds. That was an incredible game, like you said. He made some insane saves in that game. He kept us in it. Obviously, we won. And then the Flyers game, yes, he did let in three. But if you watch that game, I don't really put, you know, the majority of those on him. I can't recall every goal off the top of my head. But I know there was at least one or two of those that, like, it's a cross-crease feed to a one-timer, a guy wide open. And it's like you can't really put that on him. So I like him last week. But I agree with you in that we want consistency in that. If he can stay at the level of how he played against Nashville, then I think we have a shot at the cup. But is that realistic? I don't know. But that would obviously be nice because we've been asking for consistency from our goalies for the last two, three years. So that would be nice. Um, Player that I'm not happy with, I didn't really think too much about this one, to be honest with you. But I haven't been completely happy with... See, like, Justin Schultz was all right the past week. Like, before that, I wasn't very happy with Justin Schultz. But if I remember, he hasn't been completely bad the last couple weeks. Or the last week. So, for that, um, I mean, Hathaway scored some goals against the Flyers. That was awesome. Haglin got a couple assists. Kempney got a goal. Those are usually people that you might want to shoot Stop naming all the players. We need people to say who we're good, too. (laughs) I know, but, like, I can't think. Um... TVR had no points in either of those games. I want to see a point from TVR, so that's my pick for that. <laughs> All right. I'll go next. Or, Jake, do you want to go so nobody steals your picks anymore? Go ahead, Jake. You know what? I'm going to go last to see how many people end up taking my backups. All right, bet. Um, I'm going to start off player that played really well this week. I'm going to go with someone EA mentioned, Garnet Hathaway, my, my, my boy, my star. I love Garnet Hathaway. He's absolutely glorious. Thing, amazing forward. The fact that we only pay him, like, hold on. I have, I have the cat friendly pulled up right here. We only pay him $1.5 million a year, and he's playing and scoring at a near middle six to top six rate, which is pretty impressive. And, like, I think that that's been arguably one of, like, the best contracts they've signed recently. That's a great contract. I love that. Players that need to improve. Um, uh, I mean, Michael Kempney, Jesus Christ. I don't think he needs to be in the NHL anymore. I'm sorry. I know he's really good looking. He just and, scored a like, goal. I don't care. Um, really good looking, uh, really great, and Jake's leaving this podcast episode. Um, but he, I just, he looks so out of sync in the defensive end. Which, in his case, his biggest issue is he's he's had the issues with his knee injuries and stuff, and back to back surgeries that take you out for a majority of playing time is really tough to come back from. But I think it's just it's time to definitely let the let Favari, Schultz, and all them take over, and then hopefully he'll be able to retire in the sunset happily on a boat in the middle of Czechoslovakia with his family, like like the superstar he is or was for us. All right, Will, you're up. Um, for impressed me, I'd love to say the entire fourth line, but I can't. Um, but the entire fourth line has has basically been like a middle six level group for us over the past like couple months i mean they score a lot of points and a lot of goals and they still hold it down defensively i mean those dudes are as important to this team as anyone in the middle six aside alex ovechkin Evgeny kuznetsov like your fourth line is just as important as any of your other forwards that are actually playing right now i think when mantha comes back obviously 
that will change but like those dudes are so important to this team and i don't think this team is where they are with like just like an average fourth line i think we might be fighting for like that last playoff spot those dudes are so important single player though i'm gonna go nick jensen uh the analytics have loved him over the past few games uh he had something like 70 percent expected goals for uh against nashville um wasn't as good against philly but i mean i think he's been really good for us all year and that continued as for who needs to improve, Tom Wilson hasn't really done anything particularly good. The, lo the, the the top six lines that he's been on are consistently performing below the other top six line. Against Nashville, the Caps top line was something at like 15% expected goals. And then against Philadelphia, he gets moved to the Backstrom line, and that line has a tough game. There's one common factor, and I think Tom Wilson will get it back, but he hasn't been playing very well lately. Uh, so I need to see more from him so i'm going to say i was most impressed by jensen and wilson i would like to see better all right jake do you have anybody left uh not really yeah. <laughs> uh but he did he's sc haglin he scored a goal <laughs> yeah that was like a week and a half ago <laughs> we didn't do that we didn't do this last episode so that's we fair that's probably that. a week and a half ago um but People who didn't impress me, I also didn't like really give this much thought because I couldn't. I didn't like. Like you guys, also, like Wilson was on there because he hasn't really done much, but he'll be he'll be back. I mean, with Carlson had a goal, but I don't know. Really, or has Orloff really been doing much? Like I don't even know. Like, I I don't even know. Capitals analysis, Jake Wayman. <laughs> yep. Well, when people take your picks, it's kind of hard. You did you it to yourself. We said you could go like, after me. I wanted to see how many. I wanted said, to see if it will happen. I literally said you could go next. You said no, thank you. Then I took both your picks. I know. <laughs> I know. I know what I did. Just say, just say, VTech needs to step it up. Get healthy. Yeah, VTech needs to step it up. <laughs> Stop being hurt, um, <laughs> Man, Anthony Mantha. I'm looking at you, <laughs> Anthony Mantha. Be better. A real man Gosh, that, that Jacob Vrana trade's really been terrible for us. That Mantha guy's done nothing this year. That guy stinks. <laughs> Bro, Vrana's done nothing. They've both been injured. That's been one of the craziest yeah. trades. They literally are like, like, like tied at the hip with how they're playing. Like, watch. They'll both come back. They'll both be like amazing players. They're just going to be tied to the hip forever. Yeah. Well, yeah. I think that's everything. Um, JJ, thank you again for coming on today. We really appreciate it. And, uh, was a great time. I think I speak yeah, for all of us. Yeah, thanks for coming on. You're a great guest. Thank you. I appreciate it, man. It's been really fun. Yeah, for sure. If you ever want to come on again, just let me know. DMs are always open. All right. <laughs> all right. Well, uh, thank you, everyone, for listening. And uh, we'll see you <clears throat> next Sunday. Have a nice week or nice day, nice evening, whenever you're listening <laughs> to this. <laughs> Not sure what I'm rambling for right now, but again, thank you, everyone. We love you. And uh, eat your greens, eat your vitamins. Have a nice your, week, everybody. Take your probiotics. Gut health is important. I already stopped recording. Good night. <laughs> <laughs>